0: Om Bhadram Karnebi Srinuyama Deva Badram Pashe Makshabhir Yajatra Stirai Rangai Tushtvagum Sastanovi Vyashema Deva Hitayadayu Swastina Indro Vriddhasrava Swastina Pusha Vishva Veda Swastina Stark Arishtanemi So in the fourth chapter of the uh, Mandukya Karika, uh, Gaudapada has been giving us his take on Advaita Vedanta in his own approach. His approach is basically to show Advaita through a critique of causality. Um, he has told us that though it is the truth is that turiya is the only reality existence consciousness place and everything else is an appearance of that turiya and there is no causal link between the reality and the appearance he has told us that Um, but as we saw in the last class he does make thank god some allowance for poor humanity that uh, um, the transactional truth or Vyavaharika Satyam, so within the realm of um, our day-to-day lives, certainly you can take it as a provisional or a transactional truth Um, and you can behave accordingly. So, for example, if you are thirsty in a dream and what you later see to be a dream, so the water available in the dream will quench your thirst in the dream. Similarly, if you're hungry in this waking world, the food available in this waking world will uh, satisfy your your hunger. And all the relationships in this world, uh, maintaining the body, your health, your finances, your taking care of people around you, your job, all of those have a certain provisional truth, transactional truth. And Godaada, agrees to that he says he sh- one should should accordi, uh, act according to the transactional truth in fact he puts it more philosophically what about the conclusions of the other philosophers and he says samvritti satyam he uses a buddhistic term samvritti satyam means the transactional or the lower or the relative truth um, all the other philosophies their conclusions are also acceptable at that transactional level at the vyavaharika um, Uh, At the transactional truth level. Um, Just a note here last time, in the last class, somebody said it is just like Sri Ramakrishna's Vijnana Vedanta. There is a big difference. The difference is this from Gaurapada's view, which is a very radical, non dualistic view, all the other practices, let's, I mean, religious practices, it could be devotion, it could be good works. It could be meditation. All of them are accepted provisionally. They are accepted at a transactional or empirical level. Uh, Vevaharika. And they have a certain utility. They prepare the mind for the higher uh, and the ultimate truth. But Gaudapada in that, that way is um, consistent and inflexible also. Ultimately, the ultimate truth is the way it is said in, in the Karika. There is one consciousness of which everything else is an appearance. Whatever else you may do, your devotion, your good works, your whatever you do, all worldly and religious practices, they are all at the most transactional truth, lower truth, relative truth, uh, empirical truth, not the ultimate truth. And the ultimate truth is one and only one, that is the non-dual turiya. So... While that may be fine for a jnani, uh, most of you are jnanis. So <laughs> from your perspective, that's fine. You want to realize I am the Turiya, I am Brahman. And um, you are happy giving devotion, uh, rituals, meditation, a lower place in the, r- in the ladder, and lower rung in the ladder. But that do- it's not of much comfort or inspiration to a person and um, suppose there is a person who is devotional by nature, who loves to adore God, faith deep faith in God, and um, finds this philosophy interesting but not particularly inspiring, and not particularly uh, that it, that person doesn't want to follow this path. Now, for this person, Godapath is in, inflexible. He says that might be might be all right from a lower perspective, and there is a world, there is God, and there is you. But remember. God, world and you are all at the level of waking reality at the most dream reality. Waking dream and deep sleep are all appearances and the reality is beyond all of these. Uh, It is the non-dual, non-causal Thurya. There is an inflexible which is of not much help to a person who is uh, say, basically devotional by nature or basically meditative by nature. Whereas, Sri Ramakrishna's approach is different. Here is the difference. Sri Ramakrishna would fully accept Gaudapada's perspective, but would say it's a perspective. Uh, There are many ways of being spiritual and attaining spiritual realization. So, if a devotee, for example, says, I love my Krishna or my Rama, um, is that alright? Gaudapada would say, Um, Well, right, but uh, do come to class, I will tell you about Turiya, so the sooner you get out of the Rama and Krishna business, uh, the better for you. Uh, It it will help you, it is not bad, it is not the best, I will give you something much better. And if you say what you are saying does not appeal to me, I do not understand it or even if I understand it, it is not particularly, it is not my thing then Gaudapada would say, so much the worse for you, you keep trying, uh, maybe you will be better off next life. Uh, Transactionally speaking of course, uh, ultimately there is no next life. Whereas Sri Ramakrishna, if somebody like that goes to Sri Ramakrishna and says, I love Krishna or um, uh, Kali or Rama, is that all right? He would say, of course it is all right, Uh of course it is all right and he would uh, only add that, don't think that is the only way, Uh There, there are many ways. And they all lead to the same reality. Anyway, so that's just a note on what we are discussing. Gaudapada's Advaitic perspective with which I fully agree and I like it very much. I know most of us here like it. That's why we are studying here. Um, that is not exactly um, the same as Sri Ramakrishna's Vijnana Vedanta approach. The Vijnana Vedanta approach is much broader. It will include Gorupadas uh, approach, but um, it is not limited to that. Anyway, that's my take on it. Now let us go to the seventy-fourth verse, seventy-fourth verse. So this process of uh, giving us the teachings of Advaita is now coming to a grand conclusion with the seventy-fourth verse. It is a stunning verse um, and uh, then we will move on to a different subject. But the seventy-fourth verse he makes some very dramatic moves. The question here is, suppose somebody asks you, alright, so you have divided everything into Paramarthika, the Absolute Truth, and vyavaharika Tell me, O oh Gaudapada, your Turiya, Mandukya, So this whole Turiya, waking, dreaming, deep sleep, and the pure consciousness, non-duality, all of this, is this Paramarthika or vyavaharika It's an interesting question. If you want to trap Gaudapada, all this which you are talking about, This is Paramarthika or Vavaharika. And Gaudapada faces the challenge squarely. He will say, even Durya and all what I have been talking about is Vavaharika and this all these concepts should be abandoned. But what it means, you have to be very careful at this point. Otherwise, there will be a disaster. All that we have done till now will fall apart. Uh, Let's see what he says. And then I will dwell on it. What does he say? 74 aja kalpita samvritya paramarthena napyajaha paratantrabhinishpatya samvritya jaya tu sa very d- dramatic uh, move he says translation since in accordance with the conclusion arrived at in the scriptures of other schools the soul undergoes birth from the empirical point of view Therefore, in pursuance of that fancied empirical view, it is said by the non-dualists that the soul is birthless. But from the standpoint of the absolute reality, it is not even birthless. What is he saying here? The ultimate truth, even that non-origination, his beloved theory of non-origination, Gaudapada's theory which he has been estab- working so hard to establish in the second chapter and the third chapter Ajatavada here he seems to abandon abandon that also he says from the absolute standpoint Paramarthena Napya ajaha. Ajatavada also does not stand there what does he mean? he says this is an entire structure which has been set up samvritya, Abhisamvrittya in the realm of samvritti Satyam which is another word for or more common term Vyavaharika Satyam, relative truth. In the world of relative truth, we have set up this system, Mandukya, where you are asked to look at this is your waking world, this is your dream world, this is your deep sleep world. Once you have understood this, this has been pointed out. With respect to that, we are pointing out something called um, the um, absolute reality, Turiya. Um, And this Turiya, which is the witness consciousness of all three states, in which all three states appear and disappear, and that Turiya is actually non-dual. They are not four different states. It is that one Turiya which appears as waking, dreaming, deep sleep. Not only that, that Turiya is the truth and the waking, dreaming, deep sleep are appearances. Therefore, waking, dreaming, deep sleep can be called Vavaharika Satyam, transactional reality, and the Turiya is the paramarthik Satyam. He said it again and again, Turiya is paramarthik Satyam, ab- absolute truth. This is what we have been told and we have been made to understand. Now he is telling us, let it go. Yeah. Even this difference, making the difference into Vavaharika Satyam and Paramartika Satyam, he actually made three, three levels of differences. Pratibhasika, which is the level of appearance, dream, error, mirage, Pratibhasika, appearance. Vyavaharika, transactional, our waking world which we consider to be very real, this world. And the absolute which Vedanta is teaching us, which is Turiya. So even this distinction, he says this distinction, including the what we are talking about as the absolute, this distinction too is being made obviously in the Vyavaharika realm, in our day. To see here we are in the waking state, you are the waker, we are all wakers, Vishwa. And in our Jagrat Prapancha, the waking universe, here in this waking universe, we are studying Vedanta and trying to realize our true nature. For that purpose, this structure has been set up Pratibhasika, the level of appearance, Vyavaharika, this transactional level where we are sitting and now, and then um, the absolute Turiya, which is our real nature. All of this has been set up so that. We move from what is the point of it? We move from this identification with this particular body and mind thinking that we are the waker, this is the truth, that's it. No, to push us from this into an appreciation of the reality, this structure has been made. Once you appreciate the reality, once you appreciate the reality, don't hold on to the structure, don't hold on to the structure. I am reminded of Nagarjuna again. So, this uh, approach is actually very Nagarjunian. Um, about 500-600 years before Gaudapada, uh, Nagarjuna wrote, he was a Buddhist. So, Nagarjuna wrote, Moolam Adhyamaka Karika. In that, he says, Dve Satya Deshitam. The Buddha has taught two truths. Satyam Paramarthikam Satyam Cha The absolute truth and the um, transactional truth. Samriti literally means covering up, through, so the truth which covers up. So if there is an absolute truth and there is a lower truth, why not go straight to the absolute truth? Why bother with this Samrithi satyam? Then Nagarjuna explains. Samrithi mana paramārthikam nādhigam the lower truth, the transactional truth, without taking help of that, paramārtham, the ultimate reality, nobody will understand, nādhigam so we have to take refuge uh, in the lower truth in the tra- relative truth in the transactional truth in buddhism what is the transactional truth um, the four noble truths uh, then uh, the idea of um, this um, uh, nirvana the buddha uh, the uh, of of shunyata uh, of um, this uh, you know dependent uh, origination all of these are uh, part of the all of them including buddha and nirvana and all of that they are all samritti satyam for for nagarjuna they are the lower truth ultimate truth is that which is attained by following this path in our way what we are studying what is the uh, samritti satyam or vyavaharika satyam is vedanta uh, where you are pointed out, it's pointed out there is waking, dreaming, deep sleep, which we experience. And then by investigation of that, we re- arrive at the heart of this reality, which is called Turiya. Once you achieve this, uh, once you realize it, once we have an intuition of the reality, which is called turiya it is time to let go of the concepts. It's time to let go of the concept. It's like after the building has been d- completed, you have to open the scaffolding. Otherwise, there may be a tendency to hold on to the scaffolding. So, Nagarjuna explains. Uh, He says, Shunyata, emptiness. So what is emptiness? Emptiness is not nothingness. Emptiness and nothing are different. Nagarjuna says, chatushkoti vinirmukta tattvam, the principle of the truth which is beyond the four kotis or four alternatives. What are the four alternatives? Is it, does it exist? He says no. So it does not exist. Shunya He says no. So it both exists and does not exist. He says no. So it neither exists nor does not exist. He says no. What is that? <laughs> you cannot use language for that. That is sunyam. But that Shunyata also, uh, that Shunyata also, Nagarjuna says, uh, is a method of dissolving all your preconceptions, your conceptualization and taking you to a reality which is there, but he will not say it is there, he will not positively say it. And then he says there are those, in fact he, at one point he just mentions that people mit- do us an injustice by thinking shuny- shunyam means nothing, we do not say shunyam is nothing. Another place he says important point that those who hold on to shunyata as a truth, those who hold on to lower truths for them shunyata can help them to dissolve that misconception. But those who now hold on to Shunyata as another type of truth, for them there is no help. And he gives an example, yatha sarpo like a snake, if you catch it on the wrong end, terribly dangerous, so he says yatha sarpo like that. So that is Nagarjuna, Gaudapada here does something like that. Why is he doing this? He said why have we done all of this then? Uh, in the verse he says, second line. Paratantra abhi nishpatya samritya Jayatyatusa, Because common sense idea is that we are born and we die and Paratantra, the philosophers, all other philosophers, the dualistic philosophers, they say that we are born and die not only once but many times. You There is a consciousness and then the Atman and then the Jeevatman which is um, under the spell of karma and it gets newer bodies. After life after life we are living, this is the story we have been told. Multiple lives, body dies, but the subtle body goes on to the next body, next life. And so we evolve spiritually, we get so many uh, experiences, we perform karma good and bad and we get the results of that and this is causality. This is what, what uh, Godapada has been attacking all throughout. She says, because of this, in order to de-hypnotize us from this kind of hypnotization, I am, uh, we did this whole Jagrat Swapna, Susupti, waking, dreaming, deep sleep analysis to reveal the Turiya which is non-causal, non-causal, beyond causality. The Turiya is not a cause nor an effect, certainly not an effect, and it is not a cause. Being Nirnimitta, it is beyond causality. If it is beyond causality, it is beyond time, beyond time, nityam, eternal. Having established that, that it is timeless and changeless and pure consciousness and the only reality and non dual, having established that, if you have got an intuition of that, now let go of these terms. If it is, um, you see, what he is saying here is when you say Brahman is eternal, you are still accepting time. Nityam, you get the sense of something uh, which is. Throughout time, as time goes on, always there. Somebody put it, never, not here. (laughs) So always present, that is eternal. But is always present and eternal, you are already accepting time. When you say, all pervading, Brahman is all pervading. But you are already accepting space. And when you say Brahman is non-dual, there is nothing, none of the things that we observe, this multiplicity of the universe, not one thing is separate from Brahman. Not one thing is a second reality apart from Brahman. So, you are accepting all these things. You are accepting Desha, Kala, vastu, space, time and object. Then only you are characterizing Brahman as eternal, all-pervading, non-dual. But once you have realized that space, time and object are appearances, they have no reality. Then you need not say eternal, all-pervading. The nature of reality is beyond that. Don't make the mistake, uh, here the, that is the danger of saying things like that. Don't make the mistake, oh, so Brahman is not eternal, I thought so. Brahman is also like us, it will also die. No, 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 no. We have, all, that, we have gone beyond all those things. That reality which you have intuited as the Turiya, which you have a, a feel for, that reality is never born, never dies. Now, let go of the word nityam, eternal. That does not make it anityam, non-eternal. It is just not, the terms of time are no longer uh, relevant to it. Every object is limited in space. Every object that we know in, the, in our day-to-day uh, transactions is limited in space. You are in, um, somebody is in, uh, I think Kollan Babu is in, in Dallas. Uh, and uh, somebody is in New Jersey, somebody is in uh, California, India. We are limited in space. If you are in Delhi, you are not in New York. If you are in New York, you are not in Dallas. We are limited in space. Every object that we know, every person we know is limited in space. In order to overcome this limitation, we are showing that Turia is not like that. Turia pervades all of space. But having realized that, when we let go of the concept of space, you need not anymore say that it pervades all of space. Similarly, time. You need not anymore say eternal. Every object that we know is limited in time. Let go of that concept when you realize that Turiya is eternal. Now let go of the term eternal also. Let go of the term non-dual also. Sat, Chit, Ananda. Existence, Consciousness, Bliss. So existence to show that Turiya is not um, a thing which exists. It is rather existence itself. And also to rule out the option that, there is no such thing as Turiya, it is a fiction, no no it is there. So you have to bring in the concept of existence, but once you know that, now you no longer, you need not call it Sat or Chit or Ananda also, Turiya is not a thing which exists. It is existence itself, but not a thing which exists. It is not a particular cognition, not a particular knowledge. So Chit is not in the sense of a particular knowledge. It is also not a particular joy. A particular pleasure, uh, lots of happiness. That's turiya. No, no, no. Uh, but all of these existence, uh, knowledge, and happiness, they have no no uh, existence apart from turiya. So that's what we learned. So from that perspective, it was called sat-chit-ananda. You see, Advaita uses language in a peculiar way, because what Advaita is pointing towards cannot be fully expressed by, uh, by words, it is using language to point towards something. But after the pointing is done and if you have got an idea of what is being pointed at, you can let go of it. The idea of you know, the Chinese, you know, the finger pointing at the moon. Some you point out the moon, finger pointing at the moon. We have a better actually example, the Arundhati Nyaya, where the tiny star Arundhati is supposed to be pointed out and uh, you start with, look at that branch. And then look at the star above that branch and look at the star next to it. And then finally the tiny star which is otherwise would be completely missed, you can point out. Now all of these, once the person has understood which is the Arundhati um, uh, star, the faint flickering star, then you can let go of the others. Then the branch and the other stars and other celestial bodies are not important anymore. Similarly, once you have a feel for what is being said here, you are that thurium. Once that is clear, at least clarity has dawned, it is time to let go of the concepts. You, But not to take on the opposite concepts again. Uh, so, this is the uh, idea. Uh, so, often it may seem contradictory. You, you get the feeling, but Gaudapada, you said these things earlier. Now, you are re- reversing it. Turiya is the paramarthic absolute. And world... Jiva Jagatish for a world sentient beings and God these are transactional Vyavaharika now you are saying Turiya also he is not saying Turiya is Vyavaharika he is saying there is an ultimate reality but we will not call it ultimate or Vyavaharika anymore these these terms we will remove it when the, the transactional reality does not exist itself why call the ultimate reality ultimate? ultimate with respect to what that is what he wants to say so this is it can leave you breathless, um, stratospheric heights. So, I mean, Vivekananda says that these philosophers in ancient India would take you to heights where the human, the human lung scarce can breathe, he says. <laughs> it is so, so stunning, the dizzying, the levels at which he is talking. It may seem to be abstract, but at every moment he is talking about a most concrete reality, which is your own reality. Um, so, I mentioned this many times when uh, Swami Vivekananda did something like that. Mary Hale, his correspondence with Mary Hale, Mary Hale writes a poem to Swami Vivekananda saying that uh, I understand what you have taught. You have taught that all is God. And Swami Vivekananda wrote back another poem saying that I never taught such queer doctrine that all is God. But Mary Hale would, you know, she felt, but you said it. No, what I meant was that God only is and all is not. God only is and all is not. Gaurapadhi here is doing something like that. Having said all those things to cure us of wrong conceptions. Now he is dropping these conceptions also. Mm. Yeah. I am reminded of Wittgenstein's, uh, <laughs> you know, there is a very nice uh, reminiscence about the f- extraordinary philosopher Wittgenstein. Um one student who later became a famous philosopher himself in Cambridge in those days would attend Wittgenstein's classes, and they were extraordinary classes. I mean, in his classes, philosophy was actually being done. So what he taught in those classes, those notes later became the foundation of a lot of philosophy which has come out of um, Cambridge and Oxford later on, in years after that, and even now it comes from there. Now one one of those people attending the classes felt that uh, Wittgenstein was contradicting himself. He's saying something, and the next class he's just saying the opposite thing and uh, so he decided I will catch him and he wrote down exactly what Wittgenstein has said and the next class as it is uh, as it uh, happened Wittgenstein said just the opposite thing and uh, the student said professor yesterday you said just the opposite today you're contradicting yourself he said no I didn't and then the student said no you did I have written it down here these are your exact words then uh, Wittgenstein said ah but you do not mean by those words, what I mean by them. See the words is the same, (laughs) but I mean something which you are not understanding. Uh, So when I change it, I'm still talking about the same thing, but you think I'm contradicting myself. I mean, these are uh, my explanation. He only said, ah, but you don't mean the same thing uh, by that word, which I do. Okay. Um, That can be a problem. Now the topic will change. So, before that, let's quickly take a look at the uh, questions. Jaint, Jaint. Yes.
1: Will. Yes. I'm a latecomer to this class, so I don't know what happened in the earlier chapters. But it seems that it's uh, if only Turia is then how can we possibly do spiritual practice suddenly, you know, it's unreal, hmm. you know, th- does Gurupada actually lay out, like uh, Shankara does, four qualifications, from it, which are prerequisites before one really can even sit to learn this knowledge, Yes. is it it's just pure intellectual?
0: No, we can, and in fact, the next, the switch in subject will be from, from this verse, next verse onwards, he will take up this practical question so uh he will talk about it then then what about sadhana what are we to do why why is this going on what we are in if all is hunky-dory everything is toria then uh then what's going on here what's wrong with uh, with us and with the samsara and all this suffering how do we get out of it but the answer is uh, straightforward all sadhana he will say is transactional uh, truth we have a harika a lower level of truth relative level of truth Absolute truth is only Thuriam. And he's not saying anything extraordinary there. Remember, spiritual practice, whether it is prayer or meditation or philosophical inquiry, is also, is practice, sadhana means it is a practice meant for getting something. Any kind of practice is meant for achieving or getting something. So that is definitely at the, at the level of imperfection. Think about it even in a dualistic sense. Does God need to do spiritual practice? No. Would one doing spiritual practice at one point hope to become perfect? Yes. So would one ultimately go beyond spiritual practice? Even the paths which stress spiritual practice to the hilt, they also say ultimately there is a level of perfection where you transcend the need for these things. Gaurapada is talking from that perspective. Let's put it this way. Gaurapada is giving you a God's eye view of it. I mean in a general term, I mean he goes beyond the concept of God also.
1: We have to do something
0: unreal to gain the real. Yes. We have to, uh, or let me put it even more precisely. We have to do something unreal to get rid of the unreal. The real is always there. You don't have to gain the real. The whole idea that we are not, uh, we we have not got the real. There is something, uh, my real nature is beyond all of this, that I have to to get it. this thing has to be overcome. Gaurapada is saying that you are already the Thurya. And he is all sadhana spiritual practice including this Vedanta is to bring us to an understanding and clarity about it. What is the role of spiritual practice? Even Shankara will say that in the Brahma Sutra Bharsya. The role of spiritual practice is to get rid, uh, is not to become, get moksha. It is to get rid of the error that we are not mukta, that we are not free. It is to get rid of the, not to become Brahman. Spiritual practice cannot make you Brahman, cannot make you Turiya. It is to get rid of the error that we are not Turiya.
1: Error cancels out
0: error. Right. So, spiritual practice, the, in fact, this is the verse actually. The, this verse um, actually can be interpreted in that way. All spiritual practice, including Vedanta, Mandukya and Turiya, all of this, is at the level of transactional level, the verbalical level, where there are certain goals to be achieved and certain practices to be done. So this is at the, at the level of spiritual practice. Spiritual practice just um, erases the error that you are not Thuria. This is from Advaitic perspective, leaving you as Thuria. Yeah. These unreal things
1: are precious, unreal as they are, but they're precious.
0: They are precious only because you will see um, of, of God behind them, of Turiya behind them. Yeah. If the most precious thing, the moment you realize it's a movie, it becomes a, a nice as an aesthetic experience. But the thing itself is not precious anymore because you know it never did exist. Yeah. Things are precious in the world, we chase them or we are afraid of them, we cherish them because we have invested reality in them. Swami so Vivekananda of says, things are dead in themselves, we breathe life into them, then we run after them or we run away from them, Swamiji says. That. So, this is uh, Gaudapada's approach. Jayanth? Uh, are next.
2: So, Swamiji, once in your talk you said the entire world is presented to you at once. Yes. Either you accept all of it or none of it. Hmm. So, uh, first Shankara's approach was to accept all of it because it looks different from Gaudapada's approach. Just like Ramakrishna's approach is also different. And personally, which path do you prefer for us as seekers?
0: We are not two different paths. See, when you realize, when uh, you take the snake rope example, you either reject the snake or you accept the rope. Both are the same thing. When you say it's not a snake, it's a rope. You have rejected the snake and accepted the rope. It's not a world. It's not individual living beings. It is one radiant, infinite existence consciousness place. So when you say, um, i the world entire world is presented to you to you the consciousness what is presented all these people all these objects activities and your own body your own uh, personality all of it is presented together to you the consciousness now you can say all of this is i the consciousness it's it's my radiance it's i am shining forth as all of this and this is nothing but me me means consciousness or you can say, none of this exists, only I the consciousness uh, exists. Contrast this with what we are now doing. The entire world is presented to you the consciousness, but what do, what do I say? When, uh, when the entire world appears, what do I say? I say that this much, up to the skin, and whatever is inside, is I. This, these thoughts, these feelings, this is me. And everything else is separate from me. Some of these things I like and I want. Some of these things I dislike, I must avoid. And many of these things I am neutral about. But they are not me. Now look at the illogicality of it all. The whole thing is a presentation to consciousness. The whole thing is a presentation to consciousness. Why make this division? There is a reason why we make the division, of course. But uh, logically speaking, we are making a strange division. This body is me and everything else is. Not me. Yeah. So it's not two different paths, um, Poonam ji.
1: Yes, Swami. Yes.
0: So it's not two different paths. Uh, it's the same path. Adva- this is the same Advaitic path. There are two different aspects of it. Yeah. One thing is, when you are engaged in the world, it might be good to have this attitude. It is all my radiance. I am Brahman. All of this is. Brahman, I Brahman shining food, everything here, I am one with everything or everything is one with me. When I plunge into meditation, I dismiss the entire world and as far as possible dismiss the body also and stay with awareness as such. Advaitic meditation. So, With eyes open, same Brahman, but as this entire universe. With eyes closed, dismiss Brahman. But you are doing the same thing. One, you are seeing the snake as the rope, here is Brahman. In the other, I am dismissing the snake, that it is it's not real, yeah, yes.
1: Uh, Grish, you are next. Yes, thank you. Swamiji, um, uh, I was going to ask a question on, on, on verse 66, but, but in the wake of uh, verse 74, it seems almost irrelevant to sort of prove the complexities of the empirical world, but... But still, let me let me ask this. In in, in verse sixty-six, Gautapada uses subjective idealism in saying that the waking world is the product of the waking mind. Hmm. So while I realize that both the waking world and the waking mind are appearances in pure consciousness, it sort of appears that the waking mind is interposed between Brahman and, and objects, some sort of intermediary. Yeah. Is, is the waking world sort of a second order effect?
0: You are right. Uh, from Gaudapada's perspective, so Gaudapada, he takes a subjective idealist position, but that is using Buddhistic terms. From Advaitic ter- from an Advaitic perspective, um, he is doing what is called drishti shrishti That means, Um, A world exists only in your experiencing, a good example is the dream world. So the objects in the dream world have no existence apart from the uh, dreaming mind. This does not require philosophy, that's the common sense view. What he is doing is, he is using that um, paradigm for the waking world also, which is why uh, Gaudapada's approach to Advaita is a little difficult. Um, Somebody, Poonamji asked earlier, Shankara's approach and Gaudapada's approach. It is interesting. Uh, Take these three terms. Srishti Drishti Vada, Drishti Srishti Vada, Ajata Vada. Srishti Drishti Vada, do not be, you know, bamboozled by the terms. They are very simple actually. Literally, what do they mean? Srishti Drishti Vada means, world is created, then you experience it. The philosophy based on that. Drishti Srishti Vada means, uh, that, that is...
1: That's duality. That is? Srishti-Srishti-Vada is duality.
0: Duality, materi- uh, uh, material, uh, materialism, science, all of these are compatible. Realism, they are all compatible with this. So srishti vada it's a very common sense approach. Uh, the second one is, Drishti-Srishti-Vada, that um, you see it and therefore it exists. A good way of uh, understanding this is the dream uh, example. Um, if you did not see the people and the things in the dream they would not exist when you are not seeing it they don't exist when you see it at that time they seem to exist dependent on your seeing so Drishti is seeing Drishti Shrishti Vada your seeing itself is the creation of those things and then Ajata Vada where they do not exist only you the reality exists they have absolutely no existence in this world so these are three ways of looking at the world experience now Advaita here is the thing One Swami explained to me, Advaita can be understood in three ways. They can be explained in three, let us say, prakriyas or methodologies. One methodology is the the methodology of Srishti Drishti Vada and Shankara takes up that methodology. Uh, That why do you take up that methodology? Because um, that is the one which is commonsensical, most acceptable to people. See, the whole of Advaita is just a technique of pointing you to a truth. Don't take the philosophy itself, the concepts itself, they are not meant as a description of the truth. Because from Advaitic perspective, the only truth is Brahman. The rest is appearance. Therefore, a philosophy also must be part of the appearance. Therefore, the philosophy itself should not be taken too seriously. Uh, I am again reminded of uh, Wittgenstein. that philosophy is meant to be therapeutic, not... uh, an actual description of of, uh, reality. So um, if philosophy is meant to be therapeutic, uh, then the therapy which applies to us should be used, which we can accept. It is very difficult if you say from the very beginning that there is no difference between waking and dream. We do make a clear difference between waking and dream. So, if you want to teach us Advaita, you have to start at my level. Make a clear difference between waking and dream. And that is Srishti Drishti Vada. That Shankara does that. Gaurapada starts up with Drishti Srishti Vada and goes to Ajata Vada. (laughs) That's why Gaurapada is difficult. Gaurapada starts up by, by erasing the difference between waking and dreaming. For him, waking and dreaming both are dreams. In fact, in the Karikas he says, there are, Godapada says, there are only two states, not even three states. Why are you saying three states? There are only two states. What are the two states? Not waking, dreaming and deep sleep. There is dreaming and deep sleep. What is dreaming? Waking is also dreaming, dreaming is also dreaming. What do you mean by dreaming? Appearances in consciousness, that is dreaming. What is sleeping? No appearances in consciousness. That's sleeping, and the reality is consciousness. So this is Gaudapada's, and that's where Godapada begins, and he ends up with Ajatavada. where nothing whatsoever is produced, nothing whatsoever is there apart from consciousness itself. Um, one Swami is a very well-known teacher of Advaita in uh, Chennai, Swami Paramarthanandaji. So he told me. Uh, uh, that um, Srishti Drishti Vada, Shankara's approach is based on the waking state. If you take the waking state as your paradigm, there is a world and with the sense organs we contact an external world. Taking that as your paradigm, if you try to understand Advaita, that is um, the Srishti Drishti Vada, Shankara's approach primarily, Gaudapada's approach he says is based on the dream paradigm and the deep sleep paradigm. He said, you if you take the dream paradigm, Advaita becomes Drishti shrishti vada If you take the deep sleep paradigm, Advaita becomes Ajata-Vada. And all of them are just methods. Don't take those things, serious. that's what Gaudapar is doing in this verse, 74. Don't take all of those, ultimately, ultimately, what is there is not to be defined by these terms. These are all scaffolding ladders to help you to realize it. Oh. Yeah. So this is one thing you should t- all uh, take away from this. Very interesting insight. Um, Advaita can be th- take have three paradigms: waking paradigm, dream paradigm, deep sleep paradigm. M- paradigm means model. You can understand Advaita from the waking paradigm. You can understand Advaita from the dream paradigm. You can understand Advaita from deep sleep paradigm. But each is successively more difficult. For whom the Sadhus in Uttarakhand say that for beginners so this is the highest advaita and there only those who are beginners for them the waking paradigm is best because that's what seems real to them they, can, they should make a beginning there uh, so what kind what does advaita look like there most of the upanishads take that approach there is brahman from brahman space was produced and air and fire and water and earth and from that worlds were created bodies were created jivatmas and then we have to follow the process um, you know, Panchakosha or Drigdrishya or whatever, and realize uh, that we are that one consciousness by tattvamasi and so on. That is the uh, waking paradigm. But Advaita can be understood as the dream paradigm also, uh, that there is no external world ap- apart from the mind of the uh, experiencer. And Advaita can be understood from the deep sleep paradigm also, even mind is dispensed with there, Brahman and only Brahman. Yeah.
2: mentioned that this was a lot of people think it's a a buddhistic text which seems I mean it looks like that to me would you explain a little bit like the other side to it why it's claimed as a Vedantic text as well can you
0: and I won't go into that that if you are interested Um, so I mean Nikhil in his translation of the Mandukya Karika an introduction he goes into the details of why some scholars think it is buddhistic and why that is not right But just off the cuff, it is a commentary on the Mandukya Upanishad. Why would any Buddhist comment on the Upanishad? Upanishads are not the texts of Buddhists, they are are clearly Hindu texts, they are part of the Vedas. And the conclusions which Gaudapada reaches are very Advaitic, non-dualistic. In fact, they are the foundation of uh, Advaita Vedanta. So... uh, And there are other reasons also. For example, the final verse of the um, of this chapter the final verse or almost the last the last verse in fact of uh, Mandukya Gaudapada will say all this was not taught by the Buddha <laughs> so there immediately one might ask so why is he saying this uh, which means there is a lot of similarity with what what uh, is taught by the Buddhists so just a note here um, is a good place to say it my feeling always has been on this, is this, that the traditional view that the Vedantists have about the Buddhists is um, especially, all right, let me put it this way, when you want to see whether Advaita Vedanta and Buddhism are similar or the, are same in some respects, you have to compare it with one kind of Buddhism, because Buddhist philosophy is vast, it spreads over nearly um o- is over 1200 1300 years in india plus several hundred years again in in tibet and china and also more than 2500 years of development it's vast many many schools the school with which or the schools with which advaita vedanta are most similar is nagarjuna's Vada school the emptiness uh, the emptiness people uh, and the mind only people Vigyanavada so these two schools Tibetan Buddhism, philo- Tibetan Buddhist philosophy is a synthesis of these two schools emptiness school, mind only school, Yoga vada with Madhyamaka Shunyavada. And Advaita Vedanta is, if you want to compare it all, it should be compared with this because other Buddhist schools are clearly different from Advaita Vedanta. Um, now, if you want to compare Nagarjuna's Madhyamaka with Advaita Vedanta, it is a very uh, Complicated and hotly debated topic for a long time now. There are many, many views. I personally think, I will just give you my take on it. I personally think the Advaitic view of Nagarjuna's Madhyamaka Shunyavada, uh, the traditional view of Advaitins, is, is misplaced. Advaiti, traditional Advaitins have dismissed Nagarjuna's Shunyavada as nothing, they say nothing, as nihilism. But that is unfair if you look at Nagarjuna's own texts and Chandrakirti's texts, they clearly say that we are not nihilists. Um, On the other hand, I also think that the traditional Buddhist and especially today if you take the Tibetan Buddhist approach to Advaita that is also misplaced, I also feel because they think. Advaita is talking about a thing, a substance. There is something called Brahman they are talking about, an eternal thing. Exactly what Gaudapada says, it is not that. Mm. So, it comes from, uh, a, you know, like a simplistic reading of the opponent. So, both sides have dismissed each other. Um, the Buddhists dismiss and as they are talking about some belief in some kind of a God-like thing called Brahman. No, that is not real and they have logic to cut that down. And Advaitins, we have in the centuries uh, from Shankara onwards, um, we have dismissed Nagarjuna Shunyavada, Madhyamaka Buddhism as nothingness. They are just saying nothing exists, but that's oversimplifying. All right. So what do I think? In common with Swami Vivekananda and some other modern uh, scholars, including uh, Swami Saradhananda also. Swami Saradhananda says, what we call Purnam, they call Shunyam. Same thing what we call the fullness, they call the void. I happen to agree with that, uh, that what Gaudapada is pointing towards and what Nagarjuna is pointing towards is more or less uh, the same principle. The approach may be different. Now I studied this quite intensively at Harvard with Professor Garfield. So we studied um, Nagarjuna, we studied um, uh, Nagarjuna's Indian commentators like Chandrakirti, and then we studied a host of Tibetan philosophers which I had not studied earlier. So, uh, Mipham and Tsongkhapa and uh, uh, Mabja. So, these are Tibetan philosophers who commented upon Na- Nagarjuna in Tibetan, and so those books have been translated. So, we went to an intensive study of that. Pretty difficult, I will tell you sometime about it, but it was very interesting. Um, Nagarjuna is writing two thousand years ago, and his commentator is writing in Sanskrit Chandrakirti about eighteen hundred or seventeen hundred years ago, sixteen hundred years ago, and the first Tibetan commentators are writing in Tibetan a thousand years ago, and the later commentators are writing five hundred years ago in Tibet in, uh, in Tibetan, and all of that, uh, these million-year-old texts translated into almost incomprehensible english and hundreds of pages of that <laughs> so you had to go through that now wh- what what difference did it make to my opinion i still think what nagarjuna and chandrakirti were pointing towards Gaurapada is also pointing towards that but after all this study i have come to the conclusion that the paths are very different i am I, now i'm beginning to appreciate how different the Madhyamaka Shunyavada path is during Nagarjuna's time and later on as it is embodied now, for example, uh, in the Tibetan Gelug tradition of Dalai Lama. So, that has it's a very unique and very different path. Um, I will not say very different, that's also a path of inquiry, but the process of inquiry is different, and the process we do here in Advaita is different. And clearly what Gaudapada is doing here is very different from what um, Chandrakirti or Nagarjuna were, do, uh, were doing. The, pr- the paths are very different. I will leave it at that. Okay. Sengita, you're next. Yes. Uh, Prana Maharaj, can you yes. hear me? Yes, I can hear you. You are a voice without form. <laughs> yeah. uh, Maharaj,
3: the question pertains to what you explained about uh, Sri Ramakrishna's vijñān Vedanta uh, and the role or place of worship of Saguna Brahman in, in it and how Gaudapada and Nagarjuna's attitude and perspective uh, might likely differ from it. So I am looking to understand uh, by means of two things that I learned when I visited uh, Sri Gaudapadacharya Math in India which as we know uh, is believed to be founded by Gaudapada Ji himself and the first pontiff was Vivarananda Saraswati Ji who was the disciple of Govindapada Ji in Kavale Goa. So uh, one thing I learned is they have a long parampara going you know back to hundreds of years of Bhavani Shankar worship. This is one point and the second point is they have mentioned that Anandagiri Ji in his commentary on the Gaudapada, Pada, Gaudapada Karika bhashya he writes that Sri Gaudapadaacharya himself did penance at Badri and Lord Narayana revealed to him the Karikas uh, to some extent, or you know, in the essence of the Mandukya Upanishad. Now, if we uh, you know were to add these nuances to what we were understanding about Sri Ramakrishna's Vijnana Vedanta, I'm looking to see how it can possibly build up, uh, you know, uh, your feeling about his attitude towards worship of Saguna Brahman in his philosophy.
0: Okay. That's a lot. (laughs) Um, Yes. So, I'll take up the last one first. That he had a vision of Lord Narayana in Badrikashram who revealed the Karikas to him. That's right. So, in the Karikas... We will uh, see at the very beginning of the fourth chapter, he salutes Dvipadam Varam, the m- most excellent ab- among the bipeds. And uh, scholars say, look, here he is saluting Buddha, but he is not saluting Buddha, he is saluting Narayana, who appeared to him in that form. So, this is one of the points that uh, scholars point out uh, that where it sometimes people think he is saluting Buddha, but he is actually talking about that particular uh, vision of Narayana, where he got, he was inspired to write these karikas. So, that is why Gaurapada would not dismiss, for example, devotion, Saguna Brahman, devotion, uh, meditation, all of those things are fully accepted by Gaurapada, just like all traditional Advaitins after him, as helpful, important help for preparing the mind, for purification of mind, for concentration of mind, without which this Jnana will not come at all. So, it so in that level it is accepted, but um, and as far as Nagarjuna is concerned, it is not at all accepted. Obviously, he will not have uh, any belief in Narayana or any of these scriptures because he takes a purely logical dialectical approach and sort of negative dialectics. Uh, the question of a god, um, Narayana or anything else, absolutely not af- uh, accepted by uh, Nagarjuna, uh, but he is a Buddhist. Where I was saying that Sri Ramakrishna. Um, not only fully accepts, obviously does, the devotion to Saguna Brahman, uh, but he will not make it um, a secondary or a base camp type of thing, that you do this and finally you have to come to Gaudapada's Mandukya Upanishad, then only you will get Moksha. Uh, uh, The way Gaudapada puts it, you get the faint impression that if you remain only with devotion to God, suppose you do not come to the Mandukya thing at all you ro- remain only with devotion to God, you have left something incomplete. You have not achieved the highest. That impression Gaudapada will give you. And Krishna would say that you can achieve everything to devotion. You can achieve everything to any one of the paths which can lead you to enlightenment. Of course, through Advaita uh, that is certain. certainly of course is there. So that is the difference, alright. Now let us go back to the text itself. let me see alright now these questions actually will come up now from verse number 75 onwards from verse number 75 uh, onwards a new topic is starting all of this is fine what you have said you have built up the whole structure of jagrat, Swapna Sushupti waking dreaming deep sleep and the Turiya which is beyond all of them I am sorry to keep jumping back and forth, this one thing I forgot to mention. When you are abandoning all these terms, you know, Nirguna Brahman, Sat Ananda and Turiya also, just consider the term Turiya. You know what the term Turiya means? It means fourth, if you remember the first chapter we studied. Turiya means fourth. One, waker, two, dreamer, three, deep sleeper, Vishwa, Taijasa, Pragya. Fourth is the reality pure consciousness of Turiya. Now if you are saying waker, dreamer, deep sleeper do not really exist they are all appearances, 1, 2 and 3 are not there. Then what does 4 mean? You have to abandon the term 4, but that does not mean that Thuria does not exist. This is the delicate balancing act you have to perform. Let go of the term Thuria, but that denying that does not mean that Thuria does not exist. Thuria is the only thing that exists, but the term Thuria no longer applies. That is what Godopada is trying to say in the 74th verse. All of these terms at one point you have to let them go. Now the question arises, but fine, we are Turiam, we are Brahman, fine. But then uh, why are we in trouble? Why is samsara going on? We are Satchidananda. Uh, so why is Sri Ramakrishna says "Panchabhutar Phade Brahma Brahmapodhe Kaade in Bengali, uh, Brahman falling in the network of the five elements, Panchabhuta. Phad means the network, Brahman is weeping <laughs> as it were caught in the network of five elements, that means embodied, made in this body made of five elements, Brahman itself starts weeping now, why, what is the problem and how do we get out of it? So, this is the um, practical side of it all or at least as practical as Godopada is going to get. Do not expect Godopada will teach you how to sit in Padmasana and how to do breathing like this and uh, how to do puja, no, he will explain uh, this is the highest truth. Uh, why are we in trouble now, and how to get out of this trouble and realize the highest truth? That's it. So that's the topic which is starting now. Seventy-five. Abhuta dvayam tattra na vidyate, bhavam nirni na jayate. Translation. There is in evidence a mere craving for false objects. though No no duality is in existence there. Realizing the non-existence of uh, duality, one becomes free from craving for false things and one does not undergo birth. So what is the source of our problems? Abhuta abhinive oasthi. Abhuta, that which does not exist, that which is not real and yet it appears. And then, we have abhinivesh. Abhinivesha means uh, we, we are immersed in it, we become obsessed with it and we lend reality to it and then we start interacting with it. Uh, this, be, this becomes samsara. Uh, that What is this thing which appears to us? Mm. Duality. A non-existent duality appearing to us like the snake non-existent there appearing like the water in the mirage non-existent appearing like the blue color in the sky, non-existent, appearing. And then we get immersed in it. It becomes very real to us. What happens? World appears before us. A body appears before us. And thoughts in the mind appear before us. Before us means I am talking from consciousness perspective. Then we forget that we are consciousness. We start thinking we are this body and mind. What do we call ourselves? Vishwa, Vekar. We don't call waker. Even if he called it, some help would be there. No. Swami Sarvapriyananda, Sarva Priyananda. And here is the waking world. This is the real world. And now I am immersed in it. All the joys, I must chase them and get them. All the troubles, I must solve them somehow. All the sufferings, I must, I must say, woe is me. How will I get out of this suffering? Immersed in this non-real problem, samsara ensues for us. So remember the example of the princess of Kashi I've told this story a number of times earlier the theatrical performance was there in an ancient king's uh, court and uh, one of the characters in the performance was supposed to be the princess of Kashi who was a little girl in the play and they couldn't find up somebody to play it and they got the Prince of that kingdom, who was a little boy at that time, the queen said, "Dress him up as a little girl, as a princess, and he can play the role of Princess of Kashi." That was done. The role was performed so well. You know the story. The queen asked a painter, "Paint the picture of my son, the prince, in the dress of that Princess of Kashi." So the painting was made, and they signed, "Princess of Kashi," painted and date, so and so, and all of that. Many years passed. Twenty years have passed. Now the prince has grown up. He's a um, young man. And uh, one day while exploring the palace, he comes across this picture, Princess of Kashi. And he sees the old picture. When he looks at the date, oh, at that time she was little and now she must be my age. And he, sh- he falls in love with her. And he says, this Princess of Kashi, I must marry. She must become my queen. Otherwise, I will be unhappy in this life. See, now he is unhappy. And he wants, to, uh, what he wants, imagine, there is no <laughs> Princess of Kashi apart from him at all. But he wants that he is unhappy about it and his parents father and mother is too shy to tell them. They are worried what has happened to the son and finally you know the story The wise minister asks um, prince what is wrong. Oh I am in love. Oh wonderful who is she that is very good. Oh she is a princess. Oh princess that is all even better. Um, uh, she is the princess of Kashi. Oh wonderful wonderful. Where did you meet? I have not met. I have seen a picture uh, in our basement. Then the minister says, picture in the basement, oh let take me there. So they go there and he shows that old painting, the minister remembers everything, and he says to the prince, prince you need to sit down, sit down, I have got some information for you. <laughs> this is not the princess of Kashi, whoever it is I will marry. This is not, uh, whoever it is not, uh, you know the later story is this, that there was a theatrical performance and you played the role of princess of Kashi and the painting was made. That thou art, tattvamasi, O Prince, you are that. And the problem of the prince was solved immediately. How was it solved? By realizing the unreality of the princess of Kashi. And that uh, unreality means what? It does not exist apart from me. In one sense, I have got the princess of Kashi always because it is I. It was never apart from me. When I wanted it, at that time also it was not, not apart from me. When I realized who it was, at that time also I know it is me only. So that is the nature of the external world. Not realizing the nature of this external world, um, what happens is, he abhuta avinivesha. that which abhuta which does not exist at all, he has become avinivesha, completely immersed in it. Dvayam Tattrana vidyate. The princess of Kashi, the it is not a second reality apart from the prince. Realizing this, Dwayabhavam sabuddhva, realizing that he goes beyond samsara, nirnimitto, beyond causality, na jayate, he is not born. This birth and death cycle stops. So how will samsara stop? By knowledge. What knowledge? I am Turiya. There is no waker and waking universe apart from me, no dreamer and dream universe apart from me, no deep sleep uh, state apart from me, the Turiya alone exists and I am that. When you realize that, samsara will stop. Number 76 Yadana labhate <laughs> hetun uttama dhamam tadana jayate chittam phalam Yadāna lavate hetūn. What propels this cycle of birth and death? Karma. That karma is called hetū here. When this hetū, what, what, what are the different kinds of hetū? He says uttama madhyama adhama. Uttama hetū is all the pious acts that we have performed. Good acts, good karma. Rituals, big pujas. The you have helped so many people um, unselfishly. Lot of good karma. That is uttama Hetu and that leads to uttama Janma And the next life, you'll be you know, born as a as a devata in heaven, or in the world, you will be born with you know good health and wealth and success. Everything will go wonderfully for you. Uttama. And then madhyama is Um, You do good work and also uh, mixed work in in this world, try to be a decent person in this world, may not be any extraordinarily good work you have done. So, kind of mixed karma if you do, like most decent people in this world, Madhyama Janma, you are reborn in this world of human beings again. And then Adama, so Papa, uh, immoral activity, sinful activity, when you harm others, Uh, why do we do that? Chasing our own, what we want see generally why do people do bad things for two reasons one is temptation another one is terror you see out of fear or temptation uh, we try to we we overstep the limits of of morality and ethics and uh, that kind of karma hetu, bad karma it leads to Adhama Janma that means very miserable human life or even animal life or um, uh, existence in hell. There are seven l- levels of hell also. <laughs> so this is the uh, cycle of life which goes on. Now what is Godapada's perspective? You realize this is an appearance. Mm. By knowledge you realize this never was, never is, never will be. Yes. He says what knowledge is that? Tadana jayat, yadana lavate. Um, tadana jayate chittam. So, once you realize that these hetus, these karmas, they do not exist at all, consciousness is ever free, then consciousness will not appear to be born again and again. Tadana jayate chittam. Chittam, remember here, Gaudapada is using chittam as consciousness, not as mind. Hetwa bhave phalam Without the cause, where will be the result? Without the existence of the karma, karma itself does not exist. All these things Godapada has shown. You realize karma itself does not exist. What exists? Turiya. And I am that Turiya. Realizing that this whole samsara which you are worried about, you are complaining, how will samsara come to an end? Like this only. Mm -hmm. All right. Then number 77. (laughs) Animittasya chittasya yanutpatti samadvaya a The birthlessness uh, translation, the birthlessness that consciousness attains when freed from causes is constant and absolute. For all this, duality and birth was perceptible to consciousness that has been birthless and non-dual even before. What's going on here? Godaada is very careful. By listening to what he said, we will get a doubt again. So, is Gaudapada admitting karma, is admitting birth, rebirth, samsara and then um, how to end samsara? Not at all. Uh Gaurapada is saying, do not mistake me. I am not saying that there is really karma, there is birth and you have to get out of the cycle of birth and rebirth. No, no, I am consistently sticking to what I have always said. He said, you are always the consciousness. So, the question is, so is moksha an event in time? He said in the seventy-sixth verse when there is he sees no karma, jayate then the consciousness will not be born. Yada tada means time, when and then. So is Godapada saying that um, there is actually karma, there is birth, there is bondage, and then there will be liberation? No. In the seventy-seventh verse, Gaudapada is not, nothing new, but he is making sure that we don't make a mistake. Animittasya chittasya. Consciousness is beyond causality. No birth, no death, no karma, no good karma, no bad karma. No uttama, madhyama, adhama. Superior, mid- middling and inferior karma. None of that is there for Godapada, he says. It appears to be so. You must realize it does not actually exist. And therefore, the moksha that you get, is the moksha that was already there. It was just covered up by our ignorance. When we become liberated, what will be the feeling? It will not be. We get this wrong idea that it will be like, oh, I was in bondage till now. Now, after lots of Mandukya classes, I am liberated. How nice. No. When we get that intuition, the breakthrough, we will realize, I was never in bondage. Never was there karma for me. Never was there birth and death for me. Never will there be karma or birth and death for me. Like a bad dream, like a nightmare, it appeared before me because of my ignorance. Ignorance of what? That I am Turiya. Because of that it appeared before me. But now I realize that it was never there at all. That non-dual Turiya, Advaita Turiya alone existed and it is there now, it will be there. Samsara was never there, is not there, will not be there. This will be the realization, not samsara was there, now I have come out of samsara, not like that. The moksha which has a beginning will have an end, isn't it? Anything that has a beginning will have an end. So if moksha is beginning, it will end. If samsara actually existed and it came to an end, who says it may start again, who knows? That kind of samsara and moksha Godapada is not talking about here. He says that that is not true. Truth is Turi alone exists and that is what we realize. Animittasya citta, a consciousness beyond cause and effect. Anutpatti, uh, the birthlessness, that we never was born. And when, when is this so? Samā, all the time, past, present and future. Non-dual, advaya, non-dual. There is no second reality apart from it at all. All the Jeevas are all of them are actually one Turiya and they are all non or uh, they, they do not originate at all. They are not born. I have told you this story um, that uh, about our sadhu who went to a um, uh, Advaita teacher in Uttarkashi he was talking about punar janma hai ya is there rebirth or not and that sadhu that Advaitin told our, the swa, our Swami that. Uh, when there is no birth, there is the question of rebirth? Please go and read Mandukya. And our Swami was so annoyed. He, so, you cannot have a serious discussion with these Mandukya fellows. They will immediately say, No birth and death, only Turiya, only Brahman. And all of this, it's all Mayad, forget it. Um, how do you say that? Jitta drishyam hita dyataha. Simple, direct, and stunning. How are you saying that birth and death is not there? How are you saying samsara is not there? How are you saying body is not there? Uh, Life suffering is not there? How are you saying it? Gaudapada's answer is why are you saying that it is there? So Because I see it, I experience it. And Gaudapada's answer is precisely because it is experienced, therefore it is not there. See, what madness is this? No. Anything that is an object of consciousness, anything that is an appearance in consciousness cannot be real. Drishyatvat mithya, jagat mithya drishyatvat. This is the, I use that Jewish term, chutzpah, the chutzpah of Advaita Vedanta. Why is the world real to us? We will say the greatest proof of reality is because I see it, hear it, smell it, taste it, touch it. It gives me pleasure and pain, that is why it is real and Advaita says precisely because of that reason it is not real. Think about it, if you see it, then it is an appearance to you. What proof, all the logic we have done in second chapter, like seeing a dream, what proof is there of the existence of the seen object apart from the seer? No proof at all, it is an appearance in consciousness. Nothing apart from consciousness, just as the dream Africa and the dream lion and the dream tree and the dream body of the Swami in that dream, did, does not exist really. What exists? Only the dreamer mind. Similarly, here also, only the consciousness in which all of this is appearing and disappearing, that one alone exists. All of this he says in one stunning half half line, chitta drishyam hita dyataha, because how can we make such a tremendous assertion? Because, because it is experienced, it is experienced by consciousness, because it is experienced the objects of experience cannot be a reality apart from consciousness. To understand this whole of second chapter is there, Vaitatya prakarana. Then let me before ending move on to seventy-eight. same thing he is saying again, Seventy-eight. Buddha nimittatam satyam hetum prithaga vita shokam kamam abhayam padam ashnute. Beautiful verse. After realizing causelessness as the truth and not accepting any separate cause, one attains the state of fearlessness that is free from sorrow and devoid of desire. How do we get out of samsara? What will happen? Uh, so called happen when we realize we are Thuriam, I will end with this, we realize Buddha realization, this is what is necessary, not prayer, not doing good works, not meditation, Buddha, all of those things will help, but Godapada is insistent on this thing, you must realize, know it. And realize it, that I am this Thurya, not just know it in the Mandukya class thing, I have heard all the Mandukya classes, now I know it, why I am not getting out of suffering. No, can you honestly say I am Thurya, internally to yourself, if you can say, you are already beyond suffering. If you cannot say, work it out, where is it getting stuck, at what point, that is the beauty of Advaita. Uh, At every point you can check with reality. We will go all the way back to absolutely realistic, materialistic terms, here, start with the body, this one, start here. We will go step by step, back again. See where it is getting stuck. Where are you saying it has become? Not real, it is still theoretical. What point? And we will show you. You can you can try it yourself. Go back to waking state. Dream. Deep sleep. Think about those things. Understand what turiya is. You will see that uh, the whole thing will dissolve before you. At least hopefully. <laughs> so he says, Buddha, having realized, having known this, getting complete clarity about this, what is this? The Turiyam. Animittatam. Beyond cause and effect. Beyond karma. Good karma, bad karma, middle karma. None of them. Satyam. It is truth. And this this, this is the truth. Waking, dreaming, deep sleep, appearances. Hetum prithaganapnu one. No karma is there and do not think that later on some kind of karma will come. Uh, I have done some good works. Now the good karma will come. I will go to heaven. Become like a Devata. Shankaracharya says. Those things don't think. All of this is an appearance and no further karma is there which will come suddenly and give you new birth and new experiences. No. Prithag hetum anapnuvan. No, no, there is nothing. See, what he is saying here is sometimes people say like this. Well, all of this is alright, but it is true that I feel I am in bondage. Even if this bondage is unreal. So, this thing can come again. If it was here right now, then one day this... It may not be real bondage, but the feeling of bondage can come again, that is just as bad. Uh, won't that happen? I may forget that I am Thuriam again. <laughs> no, such a possibility is impossible once you make the uh, breakthrough. W- result? Vita show come, forever beyond sorrow, forever beyond sorrow. No sorrow can touch you anymore. Vita show come. I mean, what was that? Uh, then what about the desire for worldly things? I must achieve this, get that. Uh, visit that place, eat that food, akamam, all desire, like the princess of Kashi, you realize there is no separate reality from me which can be desired, so you overcome that, You it immediately disappears, akamam, and very important, abhayam padam, that reality, padam here means the reality, abhayam, which is beyond fear. The greatest problem in samsara is fear, not even desire, is fear anxiety, fear, this drive for security, that philosopher Wittgenstein again he said, religion is the search for absolute security, whether such a thing is there or not God can give but then you depend on God, there is security in heaven maybe, or in this world there is security in million dollars or in becoming powerful uh, or having large family, none of them will give you security, only this realization of the absolute that I am the absolute Thuriam, was am will always be, abhayam padam, the state of fearlessness, you have attained the state of fearlessness. I should not even say you've you have attained, you are the state of fearlessness, you are just playing at being fearful, you need not be fearful. Nothing in this world will scare you anymore, nothing beyond this world will scare you anymore. Totapuri, Sri Ramakrishna's guru, is sitting in Dakshineshwar and meditating at night, there is a big banyan tree and there is a demon, a brahma who lives in the, te- in the tree, who comes down to scare Totapuri. Totapuri is in meditation, he opens his eyes, you know, great Advaitin, looks at the demon, he says, Ah, you have come, I am brahman, you are also brahman, come sit here and meditate. And the demon simply ran away, oh my god, <laughs> I have never seen uh, what trouble is this, he will make me meditate and maybe even give me mandukya class. All right. So, this is the seventy-seventh, seventy-eighth uh, verse I think, good. Let us quickly take one or two questions and comments, Jayanth. Uh, Punita Ji, you are next. Punita Ji. Yes. So, one of the, the uh, teachers uh, Swamiji in
2: the recent times uh, Ramana Maharishi, I thought was very Gaudapada like in terms of his pointings.
0: He is. Mm.
2: And so, one of the things that I related to personally, but was also troubling to me, I want to lay it out. Let me see if I can say it uh, briefly here. It was related to a question that somebody had asked of him about death of his mother, and um, he had said something to the effect that. Um, she is dead because you think you are the individual. Hmm. So, uh, this longing for your mother is uh, basically a longing for self-realization, uh, which is basically the death of the ego. And that is your surrender to the mother, so she may live her. And it kind of comforted me and troubled me at the same time. And I kind of struggled with that. Pointing that he had for someone maybe in nineteen thirties, but I related to it personally when my mother passed away, and I kept thinking she's not there for me because I think I am this person, and what he's trying to tell me that if I don't think I am who I am, she won't even be dead for me in terms of my. I don't know
0: if I. Beautifully put. You you put it very beautifully. Let me go back to the first sentence you said and this last sentence you said. I listened very carefully. Uh, I have not read this earlier but what you said is it's uh, absolutely true and we can understand it from the mandukya perspective my mother is dead because i think of myself as an individual correct the moment i think i am the waker which we naturally think i am this waker vishwa then i am this body from this perspective that body that personality was my mother and when that body dies my mother is dead When this body will die, I am dead. So death becomes a reality and a a problem to be solved because we think of ourselves as the waker, as this person, which we are not. This is an appearance. You see, this whole thing, my close relative died, this whole thing could happen in a dream also, and when we wake up, it wouldn't be nothing. Everything would be perfectly all right. Similarly, when we wake up from this dream of, Thus Gaudapada considers even the waking world to be a dream, when we wake up from this dream and realize ourselves as the Turiya which is Abhayapadam, which is uh, beyond fear, yeah. we realize that what I consider to be my mother, is not so. It is consciousness itself, Turiya itself who and is one with me, where is death then? I am not the body, the body is not even real. So the staying of the body, aging of the body and dying of the body, these are interesting things which I am witness of. Because I am witness of it, they are appearances. They have, I exist when the body existed. I exist when the body is dying. And I exist when the body is dead. What is it to me? Similarly, my view of my mother will also completely change. That particular body was not my mother. This Turium which I am, was my mother, is my mother. So, all the people who are beloved to us, father, mother, grandfather, how many people through many lifetimes, you, they are actually not separate from you. In reality, in thorium, you are all one reality. You are forever united actually. That is one beaut- beautiful thing about Advaita Vedanta. But remember, those you consider enemy and dislike, they are also forever <laughs> united with you, because you are all one consciousness. Yes, very good from individuality comes birth relationship and death and suffering but once you transcend individuality and individuality can still remain from this turiya perspective you can still live your life as punita and uh, relate to your mother also knowing in your heart of her, heart's that you are one with her eternally not a thing to be believed it's a fact yes Swamiji, uh, so the way I was under- I can't hear you, but,
1: you yeah uh, Swamiji, the way I was understanding this was that having realized uh, there is nothing left to be done and nothing not to be uh, done both ways but the body is not dropped so Till then, what, what is, I mean, do you just sort of flow with things? Is there something that...
0: Yes, how does Swami, this, well, this question, question may come. So everything has been accomplished. Isn't it going, somebody said, in a young American man, won't it be boring that <laughs> after you are enlightened, what will you do? Uh, Swami Vivekananda says, on the con- contrary, only such are fit to live in this world. Imagine living in this world where you, are, you feel one with everything where everything is your own radiance, where you are not afraid of anything, where you are not disturbed, unhappy, clinging. uh, You will be a joy, your company will be a joy to everybody. Everybody will feel uplifted by your presence. And you will enjoy the presence of everybody. You will enjoy the presence of people and you will enjoy the absence of people. Uh, I I am remembering this Sadhu in, in Gangotri who said, when people are there, I said, don't you feel lonely? Uh, all these pilgrims, when they go away in winter, he said, When all these people are not there, I am alone in the mountains and snow, I am even more happy. You will be able to say that with full honesty. Uh, then only one can be fit to live in life and death, you will be perfectly serene and happy and not at all bored. It's the one thing you see about enlightened people, saintly people, you never see them bored. They are always fulfilled and happy.
1: But Swamiji, is there something that, I mean, since there is nothing that seems to be, uh, that one needs to do or not needs to do, then what what does one do? Yes,
0: don't worry about it. (laughs) <laughs> yes it, it, it will be done. see one thing is because of the past karma of this particular body because of the past karma of this particular body life will continue uh, you will see life will continue and you will live as a Jeevan Mukta and by the wish of Ishwara a lot of good will be done through you don't worry there will be much more to do after you are enlightened then you you think you are busy now you will be much more busy after you are enlightened yeah. Stita Pragya Jeevan Mukta has a lot of work to do but that will be all God's work, no more selfish work. Thank you,
1: Swami. Thank you. Rekhaji, you are next. Uh, Rekhaji, you need to
2: unmute.
0: Who is next?
2: Rekhaji, you are next. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, Pranam Swamiji. Uh, Swamiji, so based on what you have Uh, you know, taught us today, would it be right to say that if I have to describe myself, my reality that is, the only way I can describe it is by saying, I am?
0: Yes, I am, Uh, or you know, I am that I am, in the Old Testament it is there, but uh, if you understand, like Wittgenstein, if you understand the meanings of the words, they will have a special meaning for you, they will point to the Thuria. But most people when you say I am, what is so great about it, everybody will say yeah, I am, but what they mean by that I am is body mind, yeah. so that is not enlightenment, that is just the way we are now, that is just the waker pointing to himself or herself. But when as a Turiya, if you want to say I am, yes, I am, I shine, where the I is not I. <laughs> I is just uh, like a placeholder which is being used to express the truth. I am, I shine, I am infinite, I am limitless, I am without a second. And drop all these words also, the truth remains.
2: Uh, Swamiji, I have another question and it is related to what Sangeeta had asked you about Sri Thakur. Now, in the Gospel, he keeps on talking about knowledge. Now, the knowledge that he talks about in the gospel is it this knowledge, you know, or is it really knowledge based on devotion?
0: Um, generally, this is the same knowledge. When he says "gan," "gyana," is basically it means this, that realization of oneself as the Atman, as Brahman. Uh, but, um, sometimes he means it in the sense of, uh, uh, you know, Intellectually discussing something, sometimes he means it in the sense of actually realizing it. You have to see the context in the gospel.
2: Thank you.
0: Hmm.
1: Arjun, you are next. Uh, Pranam Maharaj. Yes. Uh, quick question. So, when I say I am seen,
0: you are not no, seen. You are not seen. <laughs> you are a voice without form. I know my video is not working. No, don't worry. So when yeah. I say I see, is
1: it the mind which sees, or
0: the real eye which is seen? Ah, did you notice a few verses ago? Girish also raised this question. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't say. Uh, no, it, it we discussed it. Girish also raised not this question, a related question. It seems when Goropad is talking about it, it, seems that there is Brahman, there is the world of objects which appears to Brahman in Brahman, and in between there seems to be an intermediary called the mind. Did you notice Gilish asked this question? Yeah. All right. So, Turiya itself appears as um, the subject and the object, waker and waker's world. Right now, for example, Arjun, you are the waker and there is the world which you are experiencing, waker and waker's world. What Manduki is telling you is, you are actually not just this waker and the waker's world. Underneath this and the background of this, as the essence of this, is this consciousness which is Turiya, which is you, the real you. Now, in the to become the waker, you need a mind and a sensory system. The whole thing is put in the hardware of the body. And the whole world, the Jagrat Prapancha, the Waker's universe is projected. So all of this appears in Turiya. All of it is let's say powered by Turiya, given existence by Turiya, lit up by Turiya. Without Turiya, none of this would exist, just as the pot would not exist without the clay or the ocean would not exist without water. So, the entire waking universe is given existence by existence itself, Turiya. And the mind is not only given existence, but the mind is lit up by consciousness, which is also given by Turiya. Now, this Turiya, this mind borrowing its existence and consciousness from the Turiya, becomes the knower and it knows the objects, how by seeing, by hearing, by smelling, tasting, touching all the five senses dump their information gathered from the external world into the mind. This mind is lit up by consciousness borrowed from Turiya, again by the mechanism of reflected consciousness and this mind now calls itself knower in um, Sanskrit, Pramata. Is it knower by itself? No. It is always the real eye, Turiya is always there. Good example is, at night the world is lit up by the beautiful moonlight. and That is how we speak and it is perfectly all right. But the truth is, the moonlight is nothing but the sunlight. You normally do not say at night mm, world is lit up by the beautiful sunlight. But the fact is that it it, it is the sunlight only. So if you are, what you are asking the question is, at night, Is it the moon which lights up the world or is it the sun which lights up the world? The sun has the original light, the only light there is belongs to the sun only. Similarly, real eye is the knower or is mind the knower. Real eye provides the existence and consciousness and mind becomes for all practical purposes like the moon lighting up the world at night. The mind becomes for all practical purposes the the, uh, effective practical uh, transactional knower.
1: My question was Where does the experience end? Right? Does it end at the mind level? Right? Basically, end means I mean, when I'm saying I'm seeing, is is the Turiya seeing, or is I mean, that's where I'm
0: having this confusion because as I said, actionless, it cannot do anything. I mean, y- exactly, it, it can reflect itself in the mind, right? Does it see, right? So, does it see? as far as the action, the empirical part of it, uh, Pramata is, is active. Knower means, the one who instru- uses instruments of knowledge to ga- gather knowledge. Each knowledge is an event. It has a beginning and an end. It has a source. Uh, it has an object. So, all of this has a l- level of mind and world. But what I am saying is, without Turiya, none of it would be possible.
1: Yeah, that I get Maharaj. Yes. But, so basically, uh um, Okay,
0: I think I, I, I got it. See, um, if you the Turiya did not exist, would the mind still go on knowing the world? Neither mind would know the world nor mind and world would exist at all. Okay? So but the activity of, of the mind and the world are they Turiya's activity? Not really, because mind and world do not really exist and are not causally connected with Turiya. Turiya has no causal connection with mind and world. Maharaj, I had
1: asked you one related question earlier also. Is Turiya oblivious of the unreal? Right, it is kind of connected to this question.
0: No, it is not. If there is anything that is cognizant of the unreal, of the appearance, it must be Turiya. What else ca- is cognizant of anything? Turiya yeah. by itself, yeah. So, all activity, all um, knowledge, all enjoyment and suffering is all possible because of the Turiya. Without Turiya, nothing is possible. Turiya is aware of it. Ah, Turiya is aware of it what? As the waker, as Arjun. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Keno Upanishad asks, How do we think? How does the mind think thoughts? How, does, how do the eyes see? How do we breathe? How do we talk? And the answer is because of this consciousness. So is the consciousness talking, walking, thinking? Another way of looking at it is, um, this light bulb, this laptop, this fan, when they were in the shop, a light bulb was not shining laptop the fan was not going round and round laptop was not giving zoom con, uh, conference what got into it that suddenly light is shining laptop is giving zoom conference and fan is going round and round electricity got into it now what arjun is asking is does electricity go round and round does electricity shine does electricity carry on zoom conference what will you say no, no
1: maharaj i am not asking that yes i am asking is electricity aware because the difference between electricity and turiya is turiya is aware electricity
0: why what do you mean by aware then, then we go back to the actual uh, nature of awareness is awareness according to you knowing only all knowing is possible because of turiya but turiya is not a knower in that sense is knowing possible without without awareness no but
1: awareness possible without
0: Yes, you can call it awareness or consciousness, but without knowing, see there we go. And see how deep this runs. What would Nagarjuna say at this point? He would say, "Without knowing, where is the proof of awareness?" He would say, "Knower and known, they are mutually dependent." We read that verse. They come. They they depend on each other. When only when you are knowing something, thinking, willing, desiring, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, then only you are aware of yourself as awareness. If there is no object to see, hear, smell, taste, touch, if there is no thought, huh, no feeling, would you even be able to know yourself as awareness? Yeah. That would that would be Nagarjuna's uh, doubt at that point. Uh, G- Godapatha says, the Turiya exists nevertheless, even without knowing anything. It is the witness of the not knowing also, it is the witness of the knowing, witness of not knowing. But remember, knowing, witnessing, these are verbs. And Turiyar is not an actor. It does not do anything. Because of it, all of this is happening.
1: Okay. Got
0: it. Hmm. Thank you. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna